This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have Brittany on from Credley, and our topic today is hiring individuals with career gaps is a culture and skills add. And so, obviously, we've historically looked at that as some some perceptive uh, negative uh, and uh, we're going to destroy that today. And Brittany's going to destroy that for us. So Brittany, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself and Credly? Yes. Thank you so much, Tim. I'm very excited for this conversation. My name is Brittany Story. I'm the vice president of people operations at Credly. And Credly is focused on helping people achieve their full potential on the basis of what they know and they can do. The way that we do that is by making sure that organizations have the verified real-time data on the skills and the abilities of the individuals within their team when they're making human capital decisions. I love it. And I've been following you all forever. So I love your, I love your company. So let's talk about the, the history of, of, uh, of gaps. So uh, it wasn't that long ago where gaps were looked at, frowned upon, uh, that, that something was wrong. If you had a year or two or three, and for women, I think it was disproportionate um, in terms of maternity and, uh, and staying home and being with kids, et cetera. Uh, and so gaps were negative, right? I think we can all agree gaps, negative. Okay. Historically, mm-hmm. what, what changed? Hmm. It's a great question. Well, I'll start by sharing that I am someone who has a couple of career gaps on my resume. And in fact, I have been looked over by many organizations when applying for roles that I know I'm qualified to do very well in based on my skills and abilities because of things like uh, not completing a college degree program and having a couple of career gaps on my resume. When I'm thinking about my own career trajectory and also what we we have experienced as a country over the past 20 years, um, many people lost their jobs in the beginning Mm -hmm. of the um, in the beginning of 2008, I was one of those individuals. And that's actually how I transitioned into a career in human resources. I leveraged my transferable skills and abilities after I experienced a layoff from financial services at the start of the Great Recession. And throughout my career, I've approached every role that I've been part of with a consultative approach and a human-focused operating model, while knowing that there are several setbacks that each of us have either experienced or have had the fortune of not experiencing not experiencing that should not be the reason why we're not granted opportunities to show off our skills. Um, We'll get into a little bit more about all of that, but to answer your question about where we started to see a shift in the way that employers are approaching these things is that 
there have been so many people, whether it was the Great Recession or responsibilities to care for children, caring for parents, caring for their own their own personal needs, um, then transitioning into everything we've experienced over the past couple of years with the COVID-19 pandemic. All of us now are living with the very real reality that life is not perfect. There's unexpected twists and turns. And I think that hopefully if there's one piece of silver lining that comes out of the pandemic, it's that we're recognizing that unforeseeable situations someone may have experienced or setbacks should not limit the opportunities that they have to continue to grow. 100% agree. And I think one of the the things, again, it could be, you know, from some of the social uh, movements that have happened, Me Too, Love is Love, Black Lives Matter, George Floyd dying, pandemic, like a bunch of this stuff all culminating into kind of a, a better consciousness or awareness of flexibility and fairness. Like, like we, we compartmentalize those things historically, you know, personal and professional. And I think it bled, we obviously with the pandemic, there was no personal and professional. It was just all together, yeah. which is, I actually think is great. You know, uh, you know, I love it when my kids come in on calls. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be, I, I wasn't always that way. Like if my kids interrupted like a webinar or a call, I was mad. And now I'm like, Hey, what's going on? Yeah. How are you doing? You know, and I'm just engaging with them. Like, you know, normal, which is, I think how it should be, but it is kind of interesting that, you know, this space has been created for fairness and flexibility, which wasn't wasn't there pre 08 wasn't there just wasn't and i hate that i really hate that that you were looked over for something because there's nothing more frustrating than to know that you could do the job and you didn't even get a chance to interview for the job because of you know this this uh, i mean just unfortunately the the timing and the intellect wasn't there we weren't as a society we weren't evolved yet so but it breaks my heart that 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 happened but i would assume that that's happened to all of us because of these things um let's 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 talk let's go into now now that we've done the history lesson um let's go into this uh, culture and skills ad which is the most fascinating part of this call absolutely absolutely so um, I think what I, what I encourage other HR professionals to keep at the forefront of their mind when making human capital decisions is to focus on skills-based hiring. So when reviewing candidates who have had gaps on their resume or have not had a traditional career path, I always challenge those hiring managers to focus first and foremost on what are the skills and competencies that we're hiring for within the position? How are you evaluating talent when it's as part of a resume review process or when structuring the interview questions that you may apply in the recruitment process as well? Are you focusing on the right things? I actually find that when you proactively work with hiring teams and you identify clear 
parameters of what is important to focus on within the role. Some of these items, like if someone had a two-year gap on their resume or if they worked in a different industry, any fears or misconceptions that we may have previously put um, put into <laughs> put into interview processes become stripped away when you're focusing on primarily the skills that are required for the role and what you're looking for in the ideal candidate that's going to be successful within that role. You know, it's interesting, even with your own story, um, you know, you, you had these, you, you had built up these skills in an industry, et cetera. And uh, those skills also had, they were transferable, as you mentioned, they were transferable, they're tangential. But if we've based hiring off of experience and titles, you know, I think, I think that's one of the things, especially in HR uh, and, and in TA that we've looked at historically, we've looked at a career path of someone starts as a coordinator, manager, director, you know, they kind of move through this process. And uh, that, that, isn't, that isn't true of the future. Someone could, like yourself, can work in operations, but have a, have a human-centric mindset and have all of these other innate skills, soft skills that would make you a fantastic, you know, uh, people operations person or, or people leader. And, but if you're just looking at your titles, you know, on LinkedIn or your resume or whatever, you'd, they'd never even consider you. You bring up such a fascinating point as well in that how often in, in the world of talent acquisition have you heard a manager say, well, this person is at this level and this is a step back for them. So why would they even be interested in this position? I mean, I know that you've heard that reaction from hiring managers right. more than once or twice, right? And what I always encourage hiring managers to focus on is don't lead with misconceptions about the individual. If they have the skills and experience to do the job, entertain the conversation and dig in a little bit deeper. We all have things that happen in our life that may reframe the way that we're thinking about our careers. So for some individuals, you may have worked in more senior positions for several years and life has shifted. Perhaps you need to take a step back or want to take a step back and focus on other areas of your life that may be requiring a bit more attention. And you may have what is then perceived as a career step back, but actually your life is evolving and what you're looking for in your career and in, in your professional opportunities is allowed to evolve with that as well. So how do we discover how do we create the awareness with our own team to not just look at titles or even, you know, I mean, what's funny is every financial company, every ad that you ever hear from a financial company is past performance is not, <laughs> is not predictive of future performance. Right. So like that's a caveat pretty much on every ad that you know, you'll ever see that deals with finance. It's true in talent too. Just because you were successful at something that you did bef before doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be successful in the future at that exact same thing. So, but, you know, building on that, rewiring our teams to then think, okay, now not just think about that as traditional kind of career paths, but people that have non-traditional career paths, even gaps and looking at, do they have what we want them to? Uh, and, and can we build upon it if they don't have it? Do they have some of the raw material and the desire 
to want to build those skills. Absolutely. Part of what I love about working at Cradley is that we are having these conversations constantly, not only within our team at Credly, but out in the world with other industry leaders like yourself to identify what are the thorniest issues that we need to challenge. Um, how can we not only take what we know to be the right way to verify skills and to honor achievements, but how do we make employers, how do we help employers make more informed human capital management decisions one of the ways that we're doing that is at Crudley, we have a core issuing platform. If you have a skill or a capability um, that is that is uh, that is recognizable, we work with issuing organizations to um, to identify what the criteria is and to assign a digital credential to that. But we actually are taking it a couple steps further. We've just launched a new product called Talent Match, which will allow hiring managers talent acquisition specialists, um, in-house uh, in HR teams identify where there are qualified individuals based on those skills who may be a match for your company. So we're changing the way that talent acquisition is, uh, is thought about. We're looking based on those skills. We're looking for the individuals on our platform who have made an achievement, and we're contacting them and working with them to see if they may have the desire to be considered for an opportunity um, using this product, which I think is a long overdue need um, in the talent acquisition space. Oh, 100%. 100%. Do you think employees or candidates need to explain gaps? That's a really interesting topic. And I'm of the mindset that you shouldn't need to. Yeah. And, and the reason for that is there are people who are going to self-volunteer why right, sure. they may have a gap. But as an organization, you open up the individual and yourself to influence your decision with with bias when right, you gather more information. Absolutely. So yeah. for example, um, you may have someone who is uh, who was navigating a difficult personal health uh, yeah. situation that you know, unfortunately we also know that there um, while there are plenty of managers who are wonderfully accepting and um, approach those situations with empathy and with care and concern, there's also the adverse mm -hmm. action that can happen in a variety of different situations. Um, my approach is that I do try to let to lead with the experiences that I've had. I do my best to share proactively with individuals where I've experienced setbacks, how I've navigated them, and I've encouraged other talent acquisition professionals to use my experiences and know what I've been able to accomplish and what my skills and capabilities are as a model for why we should be thinking about these, um, these situations in different ways. And I do that because I know that not everyone has a voice and not everyone needs to raise their voice and share why they've had setbacks, why they've had gaps, but in creating that space where we're challenging the way that people are thinking about career gaps and um, and setbacks within their within their own professional lives. I'm hoping that I can continue to open that door for us to 
challenge the way that we've thought about those situations previously. I love that. I love that. And, and you know, if for no other reason, uh, then it expands the talent pool. You know, like like this is in your best interest as a talent acquisition professional, HR professional, is to just think differently about this. So while you might have an issue with a person that didn't finish a degree or some type of bias against people that didn't finish a degree or people that took a couple of years off and went to Europe, whatever the bid was, it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. Right. Whatever those biases are, we can, you should get over those biases because it's in your best interest. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, and the thing that's so... Um, so amusing to me in all of this is, you know, at Crowdly, I work with so many people who have had a career pivot or a transition. I love hearing stories about what candidates have learned during the time that they took some time off, whether it was to go to Europe, like you mentioned, or to explore another field. And often what I found is that some of our best team members are most qualified and motivated and bright and dynamic team members have had challenges and it's made them excellent at what they do now because they have a more holistic view of the way that they look at the world and the way they look at the products that we're developing to um, to provide equity within human capital management decisions. Brittany, I'll go out on a limb. I'm not sure I trust anyone that's not had challenges. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a long shot here. I just don't know if I can trust that individual. Uh, that that either can't express it or just has just never had challenges. Just if that's either of those are true, I'm I'm just sure. Uh, I'm not sure that I could I could trust that. I was recently, you know, I think it was last week. I was talking to somebody about skills and the fluidity of skills, and the way that our mindsets have thought about skills as being kind of finite and uh, it kind of they, 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 you know it's almost like you look at a glass uh, and the glass is it's finite. But the way that we should be looking at skills is that they're fluid. People are adding micro, micro skills, probably not the right way of thinking of it, but they're adding skills every day. Every day they're getting better. They're, every day they're doing something to make themselves better. How do, we, how do we capture that? How do they capture that? And how, do, how do we talk about kind of skills in a different way, maybe not as, uh, maybe not as rigid as we've, we have in the past? Um, that's a fascinating question. So we can do it in a couple different ways. I'm a big believer that every company should put their people practices um, at, at, at the front of everything that they're building. Humans are our most valuable asset in any organization. And so in the same way that you're thinking about marketing strategy and sales strategy and um, the logistics and different areas of the business, all of the people planning has to be interwoven to align with where the company is going and its vision and its values. Um, I'm also a big believer that while individuals are in the driver's seat of where their career arc takes them, employers play a strong role in making sure that their workers, their workforce has the ability to upskill, reskill, in some cases, unskill and continue mm-hmm. to advance the mission of the organization. You can do that in a couple of different ways. I'm a big fan of making sure that professional development stipends are available to all. Uh, That removes equity challenges Mm -hmm. as well. 
if you leave it to the individual to advocate for themselves, it's where you continue to see some disparity, which right. we're trying to avoid. Um, but I also, and my own team, I focus very much on making sure that learning and upskilling and reskilling is part of the job itself. And I identify not only where's the department going, where's the company going, and where does the individual who's on my team want to go? How do those things align? And are we working on the skills right now that can help them flourish in their current role, but take them to where they want to go in the future? So it takes effort. It's not always intuitive for every organization, but it's important. And I think that's the best way that we can re-engage our workforce at this time. What's 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 lovely about that is it's communicated. You communicate that skills is actually a part. Uh, upskilling is a part of the job, and so you create space for that. And then obviously, you have a wonderful platform, so that helps. But mm-hmm. you you basically say it's okay. It's actually a part of the job. It's part of whatever you're, you're you know if you're in sourcing, it's part of the job for you to get better. You you know a you got to want to get better. That's that that's a you thing. But B, it's okay if you take off an hour and you're, you're training and you're learning something because that actually will help you, which will help us and everybody wins, which again, I think training uh, historically, uh, and we're a long way away from this, but it was, I can remember a time when CLOs and CFOs in particular would look at training as, well, what if we train them and they leave? Mm. And the retort was, well, what if we don't train them and they stay? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, but it, there was, it was, there was for, for years, there was a big, you know, there was a block because it's like, well, if we invest in them and they leave, we're just, it's money lost. It's like, yeah, well, we need to stop looking at it that way. Anyhow, thank God we're Absolutely. past that. Um, I, I actually, I, I'd like to just throw in maybe a, a controversial opinion to respond to that, if that's sure. all right. 100%. So, um, <laughs> during every employee orientation process that I have with new hires at Credly, I make sure to point out the fact that I know that these new team members will not be part of our company forever. And I let them know that our goal is to make sure that they are continuing to grow within their career in a way that's meaningful to them. And so there's a very strong reality that anyone who's onboarded right now at Crowdly is probably not going to retire from Crowdly 20, 30 years from now. We hope that they will continue to grow. But ideally, when an employee leaves an organization, if, if you've provided the tools, the resources, and um, and the foundation for them to continue to grow in their careers and the communication, when they do leave, it's going to be bittersweet, of course, but it's going to be with an appreciation for what they've been able to gain during the time that they've been with you. And ultimately, um, I think that's a sign of a successful employee life cycle for any organization. 100% but I agree. It's, yeah. it's a sign of a good manager as well. Mm-hmm. It's that they're happy that the person is progressing, not sad or resentful that they're leaving. Like, like you take, you take uh, a part of your success is enabling other people's success. Like, I think that's actually kind of a, uh, you just good manager, bad manager stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of simple. You're either good or bad. And, and, and good managers, actually, when people move on either internally or externally, they move on to something that they love and that they're great at. And 
you helped in some small way. Um, I think, you know, those, the good managers, they love those stories. They look back on their, the people like I, uh, years ago at an ad agency and a bunch of interns, I can look at a, a bunch of interns that are now doing great work. And mm-hmm. I had a little bitty tiny part to do with that. And I love it. And uh, so anyhow, last question, it was about culture. Um, because, because you know, what is this is, uh, you know, gaps as it relates to culture and skills. And we've, I think the, the thing that I see in terms of where they add in culture is, is about differences and differences being a good thing not differences being a bad thing, but I want to get your take on why that's a, why that's an ad. Oh, absolutely. I love this topic. So I would like everyone to strike cultural fit from, <laughs> from their the lexicon, from yeah. their lexicon. Absolutely. When I'm thinking about adding to any organization and how to evolve a team, I like to reframe it from the perspective of a cultural enhancement or cultural addition. So what does that mean when we're thinking about this, this whole topic as well? Well, I sometimes use the example when thinking about building out my own team. If everyone thought about things exactly the way that they did, that probably wouldn't be a very well-functioning HR team. We need people who can provide different experiences, different backgrounds, are looking at the employee life cycle experience with a different worldview than the one that I have. If we primarily are hiring for people exactly like us with the same background and experience, then you're actually not building a team or a product that meets the needs of the target population that you're working with. And for Credly, our goal is to work with all individuals and not just the individuals who are like me, look like me, have the same experiences as me. And I think that that's something that all teams can embrace when you're thinking about adding additional team members um, to your growing organization. You should be looking for people who can perform a role in a way that you can't, who can provide value in, um, in ways that existing team members can't as well. And I always say that the sign of success for any manager is when they get to the point where They've hired, trained, and deployed team members to add so much value that the person in senior leadership is no longer needed within that role. And then at that point, the organization has evolved and um, and, and you're continuing to help individuals evolve along with your offering. Brittany drops mic and walks off stage. Thank you <laughs> so much for your time and your wisdom. Thank you, William. Absolutely. And thanks, everyone, for listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.